covering Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter 2, Section 3, um, on the Trinity, <laughs> the unity of the Godhead. Let me read this first. In the unity of the Godhead, there be three persons of one substance, power, and eternity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. The Father is of none, neither begotten nor proceeding. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father, and the Holy Ghost eternally proceeding from the Father and the Son. Um, this is one of the... I was thinking about this as I was driving in this morning. The, the last section, right, in, in, uh, in many of the sections in, in the Westminster Confession of Faith. You, you were saying last week, Karen, I mean, that's a mouthful. Sometimes it's a sentence with like a whole paragraph. And here, but the, the thing we said about those sections is, uh, even though it's long and wordy, but it's kind of easy to understand and, um, you know, easy to kind of comprehend what it's trying to say. Here we have... Uh, one of the shorter sections, but probably the one that has caused the most consternation, the most confusion, the most heresies in the history of the church regarding uh, the, the nature of the Trinity, um, especially in that, uh, especially regarding the Son, the deity of the Son. Um, if you look at church history and the major creeds that come out, right? The Nicene Creed, mm. the, the, uh, the, the Chalcedonian Creed, the, uh, the Athanasian Creed, uh, the Apostles' Creed, uh, which was the first creed, uh, you'll notice that the subsequent creeds all came out, well, they came out because the church had to have these worldwide councils of churches at the time to settle a dispute. Mm -hmm. But every single time the dispute was over the nature of the Son, the Trinitarian nature of the Son, basically. Um, the Apostles' Creed, which was which we consider to be one of the earliest creeds, uh, covers everything, right? Uh, covers God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the church, and et cetera, et cetera. We don't have controversies over, we don't have so many controversies over the, the Father and it used to be the Holy Spirit. Uh, now I think now nowadays we have many more controversies over the Holy Spirit. But uh, most of the controversies through, through the history of the church centered around controversies around the Son. Um, about, uh, they would either go into one direction where they would say, well, the Son isn't fully God. Uh, versus the other end of the pendulum where they would say the Son isn't fully human. Um, but in any event, uh, here we have uh, one of the shorter sections of the Westminster Confession of Faith, but one of the most uh, uh, ignored, uh, people confuse it, uh, people uh, teach it the wrong way, um, one of the, I, I don't want to say controversial, but it has caused uh, sources of controversy in the church. Basically, this section says this, that uh, there is one God, and he is 
there are three persons and one God. The three persons are one in the sense that they, they are one substance, uh, meaning that uh, it's it's just one. You can't divide God into separate things. Uh, it's not a pie chart and the Father is a third of it, the Son is a third of it, the, the, the Holy Spirit is a third of it. They are all God of the one substance. Uh, when they say substance, they're meaning um, whatever makes up God, right? His, his character, his, his, his glory, his, um, um, his, anything, his holiness, anything that is uh, intrinsic to God, any words that you, you would use to describe God, you would use to describe all three of them. Um, one in substance, one in power, one in eternity. So there you get the oneness of the Trinity. But then it, it breaks it down and it talks about the, the three persons and how they are different. Um, the Father is of none. He is neither begotten nor proceeding. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father. And the Holy Ghost is eternally proceeding from the Father and the Son. Um, when you think about the Son being eternally begotten, you have to assert two facts. One is the Son is begotten of the Father. Okay, He is the Son, and God the Father is the Father. There, there's a, there's a, you know, there's there's meaning to the words the Father and the Son. Okay, um, but it is beyond our human comprehension and beyond our human understanding. Okay, when you know, using the old biblical term, when when Isaac begat Elisha, right? Uh, there was a point at which Elisha wasn't, and then a point when Elisha was. That's the way we think about, you know giving birth in our children. Uh, and so this is where the mystery is. The Son is begotten by the Father, begotten of the Father, but eternally. So there was no point at which Christ was not. Christ always was. Okay? Eternal. Always existed with the Father and the Spirit. And yet, He is begotten of the Father. How that happens uh, is a mystery to us but we assert it because scripture talks about it, and we'll and we'll look at the different scriptures that that talk talk about each of these things the holy spirit eternally proceeds from the father and the son we're going to talk about this a little bit more um because that has also created a, a big controversy um but uh it's similar idea as christ being begotten of the father is that uh, when, you know, in human terms, when I proceed to do something, there's a point at which I wasn't, I wasn't doing that thing. And there's a point at which I begin and I proceed to, to, to go somewhere or do something. Um, so the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost does proceed from the Father and the Son, meaning he is sent by the Father and the Son, but he is, he, he is eternally sent or he is eternally proceeding. So there was no point at which the Holy Spirit was not and then became, right? Or the Holy Spirit was somehow not there and then, and then, and then the Father and the Son, you know, sent him and then he became, okay? It wasn't a two Godhead 
at some point in time, becoming a three godhead some point in time. These are, you know, or one godhead becoming two godhead, becoming three godhead at some point in time. These are eternal. Uh, so there is mystery involved. Um, That's uh, exactly what T.G. Jakes talks modalism. Sure. God thinks yeah. it's just his father. Yeah. Then there's something. Yeah. Then there's Yeah. Yeah, and 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 there basically the 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 philosophically, what's wrong there is we are trying to use human terms to understand God. So he is taking what he knows to be true in terms of human begottenness, and human, you know, if I send someone to do a job or whatever, he's using those definitions and imposing that on on God. Where it should be the other way around. God should be revealing stuff about himself to us, and we ought to be thinking God's thoughts after him. And if it's too high for us, then we admit it's God, you know, I we 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 acknowledge that this is what you say, but it's, you know, get down to the nitty-gritty. Can I explain it? I can't explain it. But the word of God says this, okay? Let's take a look at a few verses, and we're gonna talk about some of the ways that the church has gone wrong, including George, you just mentioned modalism. Modalism is the idea where they say God is like H2O, where water, H2O. No, no, modalism. Modalism, M-O-D-A-L-I-S-M, modalism. God exists in different modes. Sometimes he's water, sometimes he's ice, sometimes he's gas. Sometimes he's the Father, sometimes he's the Son, and sometimes he's the Holy Spirit. Right. Many yeah. The the one great verse is uh the at the baptism. Okay, it just completely wipes out uh uh the, this idea of modalism. Modalism which says God exists in three persons at different times or at different modes. So sometimes he's the Father, sometimes he's the Son, and sometimes he's the Holy Spirit. Pardon me, could you spell or say that again? That no. that God has three different no, he's no, not no, no, no. A M O D A L. Oh oh no, no, that you just said an A word. Matthew 3. Let's go to the, the Bible. <laughs> Always good to go to the Bible. Matthew 3, verses 16 to 17. This is Jesus at, the, at his baptism. Okay. Um, Jesus goes to John. Oh, I'll read a little bit before. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. Here's the key part. When he, meaning Jesus, had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. 
And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. There, uh, the baptism of Jesus uh, just cancels out. It is contrary to, to, to any teaching of modalism because there you have all three in the same scene doing things separately at the same time. Okay? Jesus is there getting baptized. The Spirit descends on him, and a voice from heaven says, That's my son. That's, you know, if a voice says, That's my son, then the voice is the Father's, right? It is not Jesus being baptized and then jumping up and coming down upon himself as a dove. And it's not Jesus being baptized, you know, saying out of the side of his mouth, yeah, this is my beloved son. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's not Jesus uttering those things. It's not Jesus coming down from heaven. It's Jesus is there. The Spirit comes down and the Father speaks. So three persons are doing things at exactly the same time. And you see that they are three persons. But they are, but but it's 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 one God, okay. Um, how do we know that it's one God and not three gods? Okay, that's the next question. It's it's obvious from the 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 baptism of Jesus. There's at least three entities, but how do we know that they are one? Okay, what scripture do we go to? To I mean, there's many scriptures that we go to. Okay, <laughs> but but let me just point out a couple that kind of. You know, short scriptures, but but that get to the point. All right, Second Corinthians thirteen fourteen. These are these are the proof texts. These are the proof texts that are provided by the confession. So so I'm not doing any groundbreaking work here. I'm just explaining what what the proof texts are. Okay, Second Corinthians thirteen fourteen. Second Corinthians chapter thirteen verse fourteen. Um, I'll, I'll read the. You know, a couple of verses before. This is Paul uh, concluding his second letter to the Corinthians. Finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Um, In the way Paul phrases verse 14, uh, he's not talking about three gods. He's talking about one God existing in three persons. And if you think about it logically, right there, Paul is trying to, you know, put in the final word of blessing to the Corinthians. He's trying to give them the highest blessing, right? The, uh, the highest type of farewell. If only one of the three were God, then the other two, the, the other two persons and whatever grace or whatever benefit they can be to the believer, uh, Paul would sort of state the lower things first before ending on the high thing. You, you see what I'm, what I'm getting at? He's, he's, he's crescendoing to to, to the final verse of his, 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 the final sentence of his letter to the Corinthians. And he basically wants to send them off by 
giving them the blessing of God. Okay? If Christ, let's put it this way. If Christ and the Spirit were lower, then Paul might say something like, well, may Christ do this to you. May the Holy Spirit do this to you. And finally, may God the Father give you all grace. Something like to that effect. Okay, but he doesn't. He says, the grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I gave the wrong, um, sorry, excuse me. Uh, did I give the wrong? So I cited from 1 Corinthians, that was 1 Corinthians 16, um, 23 and 24. Did I, did I read the right one? Second, oh, okay, 2 Corinthians does that too? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm just uh, flipping to the wrong places in my Bible today. Um, 1 John. First John, okay, good. First John, chapter five, verse seven. Admittedly, this is one of the, uh, perhaps, in earlier in chapter five, this was one of the confusing parts of of scripture where uh, I'm not quite sure what John is talking about when he says, uh, "This is he." This is the priest previous verse, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is a spirit who bears witness because the spirit is truth. Okay, that verse, he came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. George, what does that mean exactly? <laughs> does that mean Jesus, his, 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 Deity is proven by his baptism by water and by his sacrifice by blood. What does that mean? Something else? Um, well, I know at the end when they pierced him, water and blood came. Sure. Out, they said physically that was part of it. Okay. Was he referring to that? Right. Okay. But where that verse might be a little bit confounding, verse 7 is not. There are. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, meaning Christ, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Okay, so there, John gives a Trinitarian statement. There's three that bear witness in heaven to, to the truth of all these things, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But then he says they are one. Okay, they are one. And Jesus himself says, I am Father. In many places, yes. And if you read the Gospels, um, those are the places where uh, people get most mad at Jesus. You know, it's at those points where he says, don't you know the Father and I are always working together? I can't do anything apart from the Father. It's at those places that, that, that you know, uh, that people get, get really mad at Jesus. Think about today, okay? Yes, we would get upset. Let's say T.D. Jakes, you know, comes and, and preaches a heretic uh, uh, sermon. We would get upset. But if someone, let's T.D. Jakes or anyone else comes and says, I am Christ and I am equal to the Father, we would go on another level of upset. I don't think so. Right? Right? Like, 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 right, exactly. If somebody came into this room and says, 
I am equal to God. Uh, <laughs> we would <laughs> at least politely ask him to leave. Okay, and but that was the response that Jesus drew from from the crowd. Yes, and I think we would be we would be right in that, right? Some people think that Jesus came to get rid of the Romans and having nothing to do with sin. Sure, yeah, mm -hmm. but you know what I'm what, the point I'm trying to make is uh, for other types of statements. They're upsetting to people, but not that upsetting. The, the parts where they really want to kill Jesus is when he says, I am God. Yeah. Right, which is amusing when I hear the sheriff's witness on 617. One final place, Trinitarian statement, Jesus himself. Go there, Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nation, nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Okay, so Jesus himself mentions the Godhead, the three persons of Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But now the question is, well, in that statement, is Jesus equating the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to be one? Yes, because he says, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Think about what the meaning of baptism is. The meaning of baptism is a symbol of our salvation, okay? And only God has the power to save, right? Only God has the power to save. I cannot save somebody else, much less even myself. <laughs> only God has the power to save. Only God has the power to regenerate somebody. Only God has the power to take away somebody's sin. Only God has the power to give somebody eternal life. Only God has the power to give somebody resurrection life okay only god has the power to and the authority to judge you know condemn yes um uh, i went to a christian and missionary alliance uh dipping uh baptism ceremony and the pastor said you need i want you to make sure that you're born again otherwise you're just going to go down a dry center come up a wet center and you won't really be saved sure yeah, yeah, and, and we, we, we need to do that during baptism. But, you know, when, when Jesus says, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, he's saying uh, those are equal. Uh, the three persons are equal in substance and power and the work of salvation, okay? Um, the Son being begotten eternally, this is what... Uh, the Bible says of Jesus. And again, you know, the, the, the words are pretty plain. If I were to teach this to my son, he would get it immediately. Okay. He would understand, like, cause he would understand the words I'm saying, but as he gets older and he thinks about it, it's, it becomes a mystery to him. Okay. That's the, that's the, uh, that's the irony of this whole thing is when you teach it to little kids, they're like, oh yeah, sure. Jesus is begotten eternally. But then once you get older and you start to think about it, then it becomes more and more mysterious, right? Uh, John chapter 1, verses 14 to 18. This is that great prologue uh, concerning Christ. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay, and then verse 18. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. So they're very clearly talking about Jesus being begotten. 
How so? Eternally. How does all that work? It's a mystery. Well, we confuse it, like you said, a father. Yes. Begot. Yes. A child. Yeah. Through a relationship. Right. With his wife. Yeah. But the word begotten is monogenes mm -hmm. in the Greek, which means it's the same substance. In other words, it's like saying the father and the son have the same DNA. Yeah. The same genome. Yeah. The same genetics. Yeah. But even so, it's... As soon as you start to think about it with human understanding and human terms, because my son and I, we share DNA, even though his DNA is a little bit, but, but we share DNA. But it's like, as soon as you start to water it down with human understanding, then, then that's where, you know, then, then that's where we go wrong. Yeah. It's basically saying the sun is the same. Yeah. As in substance. Yes. As the father. Yes. But a distinct person. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, let me end with this. Most of my ordination examination in terms of theology has to do with Christology, right? The, in, in defending against these historical heresies. Uh, I will mention that the, the, the main heresy uh, in, the, in the early church was something called Arianism, where Arius taught that uh, I think this was fourth fourth century, so this was very early on. So, like you know, Nicaea, the Council of Nicaea in three twenty five was created in response to the heresy of Arius. Basically, he taught that Christ was not uh, 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 God, right? Fully God. And then there's there's various uh, Arius taught that, and then throughout the ages, there's various uh, strands that 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 come from that. You know, people will say Christ was uh, Christ was at first a human being, but then at some point at his baptism, God adopted him and gave him that office or gave him that function as God. Uh, similar to Mormonism, today. similar to Mormonism, right, right. Uh, but 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 that heresy, Arianism and semi-Arianism, has uh, basically been passed down throughout the ages of church. I will say this today. In the American evangelical church, we might not be theologically wrestling with Arianism in doctrine and theology, like in broad, broadly evangelical churches, because if you go on the websites and read their uh, 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 statement of faith, nobody will say, well, Jesus is not God. Okay, All of these, these heretical churches, uh, even prosperity gospel churches or whatever wrong churches, they will, in their statement of faith, say, you know, God the Father, you know, the Son and the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Trinity, okay? Where we go wrong and where we let Arianism come in to our church today is through worship. It's not through the things we say on our church website, but it's through the way we worship. Because we worship Christ as though he was not God. We worship Christ as a friend. We worship Christ as a neighbor. We worship Christ as our, our big brother but we never preach about Christ's glory or his judgment, right? Uh, we go to churches where everything is about me, 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 you know, how Christ helps me, fills my needs, uh, uh, comforts me and, and helps me 
in my daily walk, understands me, right? Uh, all of that is my friend. But we never talk about Christ as uh, he is God to be worshipped. Not as we like to worship him, but in the way he prescribed worship. Um, you know, so in the way we practice worship, I think Arianism is all over the church today. Christ is not worshipped as God. Christ is worshipped as your, your buddy. Uh, lasting, the Holy Spirit proceeding eternally from the Father and the Son. I will admit that this is, uh, for us, this is like, okay, sure. <laughs> that's not such a big, um, that's not such a big controversy. And we, for that, we go to uh, John 15. John fifteen twenty six, where Jesus says, and you guys know this very well. Uh, this is at the Last Supper when he is um, teaching his disciples, uh, and Jesus says this, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. So there Jesus says, the Spirit proceeds from the Father. But he also says, I will send him. So the Spirit, Holy Spirit, proceeds from the Spirit, and uh, uh, the Spirit proceeds from the Son and from the Father. Um, that might not seem like such a big controversy in the history of the church. This was a huge controversy, still a huge controversy. Uh, this is basically the reason why the Eastern Orthodox Church and the Roman Western Church split over something called the Filioque Controversy. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. The Filioque Controversy, where the Eastern Church said, no, the Spirit only proceeds from the Father. Where the Western Roman Church said, no, the Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. And you're making a face like, why does that matter? <laughs> why are you guys getting so bent out of place over something like this, right? Where even scripture is so clear. I'll tell you why it matters. Because when you say the spirit only proceeds from the Father, that lowers the Son a little bit. You're kind of saying the Son doesn't have that authority. And you're kind of saying the Son isn't as God as the Father is. Um, and when you start to say the son isn't as God, as God is, then you throw into questions about salvation. Okay. Well, if Christ isn't God, then did he, can he really save? If he's not God, then is he able to really take the wrath of God and satisfy it? Right, Because he's, if he's not fully God, then he's limited in some way. There's a certain limit to his ability to take God's wrath. And God's eternal wrath, there's got to be some, you know, do the simple math, right? Something limited with something eternal, there's got to be some leftover. Then what are you left with? You're left with some sort of works salvation that we got to do ourselves to kind of fill up the, the rest of the gap. Okay? Yeah. That's called the filioque controversy uh which split apart and the churches remain split apart uh the the, the eastern orthodox and the uh and in the and the roman church which so eventually their creed doesn't have proceeds from yes yeah the nice uh, i i believe it was the nicene creed i'll ha have to double check but but one of our creeds specifically says in the spirit proceeds from the father and the son yeah. Um, does, does that become an F or a PHI, the Filioque 
F. F, F as in um, sun. Yeah. Okay. Any questions? All right. But we just covered. You're all prepared for your, your, your ordination exams and church history exam. And <laughs> but 